laid a message uh, on my heart today that I want to share with you. If you have your Bibles, it's going to be in the book of Habakkuk. Uh, if not, uh, Shelbo's going to have it on the screen for you. The book of Habakkuk, chapter 3. I'm going to be reading six verses in the New American Standard Bible translation. I want to ask you, if you haven't already shared this stream after the last stream dropped, please go ahead and share that. Because people who were trying to watch on the, on the first stream, uh, they've lost signal and may not realize that we are uh, still live. And I want them to hear this word today. Amen. Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. The word said, A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet according to Shigianoth. Lord, I have heard the report about you, and I fear. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. God comes from Timon, and the Holy One from Mount Paran, Selah. His splendor covers the heavens, and the earth is full of His praise. His radiance is like the sunlight. He has rays flashing from His hand. And there is the hiding of His power. Watch this. Before Him goes pestilence and plague comes after Him. He stood and surveyed the earth. He looked and startled the nations. Yes, the perpetual mountains were shattered. The ancient hills collapsed. His ways are everlasting. I want to preach to you this morning a message the Lord has given me titled, The God of It All. The God of It All. If you will, right in your homes, bow your heads, pray with me and for me today. Father, we love you. God, I thank you that I feel the unity, Lord, of assembling together the way that we have gathered with our brothers and sisters in Christ. God, it's not the same that we usually gather, but I feel that we're gathered nonetheless. And you are ministering in homes all across the tri-counties and beyond right now. God, I ask you, Lord, that you would anoint our ears this morning to hear your word speak to us. Father, I ask, God, that you would anoint my lips of clay to deliver your words and not my own. And God, I pray today that your word would come forth, Lord, not with the enticing words of men's wisdom, but in the power and in the demonstration of your spirit. And God, most of all, I ask you to remove every hindrance from the enemy. I ask you to preserve our live stream. God, that your word may go forth, Lord, loud and clear, and that it will be received across this land. We thank you for the opportunity that you've given us today. We give you the glory and the honor and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Nicholas. According to Habakkuk, God is the God of pestilence and the God of the plague. It goes ahead of him and it follows after him, the Bible said. He's right in the middle of it. I began writing this sermon last Saturday. And as much as Angie and I greatly appreciate pastor appreciation, uh, last Sunday, it's so hard to believe that was just one week ago, Pastor Appreciation last Sunday. 
We appreciate it so much. It was wonderful. I, I say thank you to everyone that played a part in any way. What a huge blessing you were to our family. But as great as we appreciate it, it was difficult for me not to call last Saturday night and uh, speak to one of our staff and say, I I'm just going to preach this on Sunday because God had stirred this word in my spirit. And as most of our church family knows, I have preached a lot of funerals lately. Some were very unexpected. And one of the things that I've had to cling to is what the psalmist said in Psalm 139 and 16. He said, all of my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. All of my days, all of them, whatever that number is for you and whatever that number is for me have already been planned and there is not one single thing that you or I can do to change that. Should we exercise caution? Absolutely we should. But I, I don't have any power whatsoever to add one single day to my life. Why would I say that? God never preempted me or you from suffering in this world. I live in a sinful body in a sinful world. I too live under the curse of death. I don't have a perfect immune system. I can be cautious, but I can't add time to the days that God Almighty has already ordained for me. I find a lot of comfort in the book of Psalms, chapter 91, verses 1 through 3. In the NIV, the word said, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. He went on to say, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare, watch this, and from the deadly pestilence. Can I have faith? that I won't get or contract the coronavirus if I'm a believer? Should I be sure that I'll be safe as long as I pray? Uh, then if that was the case, we would have to conclude that Christians couldn't get sick from a disease or from a plague. But that's not the way it works. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 45, God told us Himself that it rains on the just and the unjust. I want you to consider and look this morning at the plagues from Exodus. The first three plagues struck Egyptians and Israelites equally. The blood, the frogs, the gnats, all of those things. But it wasn't until after the gnats that God kept the plagues from hitting Goshen. Maybe it was because God wanted the Israelites to realize through a time of suffering that they needed Moses as their advocate and their protector from the plagues after they had to endure a few. How about this? Let's ask this question. As long as I pray and as long as you pray and we try to take proper precautions, I know that the Lord's will will be done for me and for those that I pray for. If we get the virus or somebody contracts the virus after prayer and precaution, you can realize that some way, somehow, it was God's will. And some of you may say, why would you say that? Why would God want for me 
or anyone, for that matter, to suffer or even possibly to die. I thought about this weekend what C.S. Lewis once said about pain. This is what he said. He said, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our conscience, but he shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Sometimes you and I need God to shout at us too. Sometimes we need to be brought to our knees to remember what a helpless person, what helpless people that we are and how much we need God's grace and God's protection. Suffering makes me appreciate when I have no pain. Suffering motivates me to pray more, to take sin more seriously, and also to want to get out of this world and into a place called heaven. Suffering shows me how weak and how helpless I really am. Second Chronicles chapter 6, verses 28 through 31. When famine or plague comes to the land, or blight or mildew, locusts or grasshoppers, Or when enemies besiege them in any of their cities, whatever disaster or disease may come, and when a prayer or a plea is made by anyone among your people Israel, being aware of their afflictions and pains and spreading out their hands toward this temple, watch what he said, then hear from heaven your dwelling place, forgive And deal with everyone according to all that they do, since you know their hearts, for you alone know the human heart, so that they will fear you and walk in obedience to you all the time they live in the land you gave our ancestors. When suffering happens to us as a country, and even as an entire planet, then we really have to think about death more and take it more seriously. Pastor Dwight was sharing with me this week that someone that he works with said, Dwight, do you think that this may be it? I've had other people that have asked me the same question. And as I was writing this sermon last Saturday, a week ago yesterday, much of our entertainment had already been taken away, including sports tournaments like the SEC and the NCAA tournaments and even regular seasons like NBA basketball and and hockey and all of those different things, youth conferences like Winterfest and Warrior Fest that our young people were going to and all sorts of other events with large groups of people, all of that had been taken away. And now today you see in churches all across America there are just a skeleton crew of people inside the building making a live service happen. The stock markets have fallen and many people say it's all gloom and doom. But I want us to look at it for a moment from a spiritual perspective. Maybe, just maybe, people will start taking a more serious look at their own mortality and realize that they too need to be prepared to die. Many people need to stop relying so much on themselves for their own security. Maybe some will come back to God and realize how much they need Him. I believe that's what God wants from us in this hour. 
It also causes us to reflect on our sins as a nation also. A pastor whom I know shared this on Facebook. He said, worldwide, on average, there are 125,000 abortions a day. The coronavirus has people crazy with fear, but it doesn't hold a candle to the murders of the unborn. Abortion can be stopped because it's a choice. Yet each day, people choose to end the lives of those whom God has knit together in the womb. Things in our world, he said, are truly out of whack. It's not just abortion. I said it's not just abortion. Although that's a glaring and a wicked sin. But there are plenty other sins that have become publicly celebrated in the society that we live in today. Sins that used to be considered shameful. Might this virus, I'm just saying maybe, might this virus be God's wake-up call for them as well? Might this virus be a wake-up call to the children of God? So how do we respond to all of this suffering? We call people to repentance like God always instructed us to do. He said John the Baptist was one with a voice crying in the wilderness, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I want to tell you, God expects you and I, yes you, that are watching today to call your family to repentance. God expects our attention to be upon Him in a time like this. Because suffering has a unique way of digging into the soul. It's interesting to note how often God used plagues either to save His people or to call His people to repentance. One of the most awesome stories of the Bible that's not really told a whole lot takes place in Numbers chapter 16. Korah had led a rebellion against Moses and Aaron claiming that Moses and Aaron had usurped or abused the authority that they had over the Israelites. And so Korah and 250 leaders were going to make an offering to the Lord. But they weren't anointed and they weren't authorized to do so. So fire came out of the altar of the Lord and burned the men alive. While the ground opened up and swallowed Korah and part of his family alive. Now at that point, if I was even thinking about following Korah, I'd have said to myself, no thanks, I'm good. But these were some stubborn people. Stubborn people. And so next day, the whole, oh, let me stop right there for just a moment. Stubborn people. Could we just do what we've been asked to do for the next period of time? Could we just do what we've been asked to do for the next 15 days or 30 days if it gets extended or 60 days if that's what happens or 90 if that's what happens? Could we not be stubborn and just do what we've been asked to do? We've tried very hard around here. If you noticed, if you counted, there were not ten people on this platform this morning until I came up and then they went down right after me. We're, trying, we're being very diligent to do what, what we've been instructed to do. But these people were very stubborn people. The next day, the whole Israelite community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. They said, you have killed the Lord's people. That's what they said to them. 
But when the the assembly gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron and they turned toward the tent of meeting. I think Brother Chris Fusen talked about this a few Sundays ago. Suddenly the Bible said a cloud covered it and the glory of the Lord appeared. Then Moses and Aaron went to the front of the tent of meeting and the Lord said to Moses, Get away from this assembly. Did you hear that? Get away from this assembly so that I can put an end to them at once. And they fell, the Bible said, face down. Then Moses said to Aaron, Take your censer and put incense in it along with fire from the altar and hurry to the assembly to make atonement for them. Wrath has come out from the Lord. The plague has started. So Aaron did as Moses said, and he ran into the midst of the assembly. The plague had already started among the people, but Aaron offered the incense and made atonement for them. Did you hear me? Phew, I feel the Lord when I said that. Aaron offered the incense and made atonement for them. He stood between the living and the dead, and the plague stopped. But 14,700 people died from the plague in addition to those who died because of Korah. Then Aaron returned to Moses at the entrance of the tent of meeting. The Bible said, for the plague had stopped. God used a plague to defend Moses and Aaron and also to call the Israelites to repentance over their rebellion. 14,700 people died immediately as a consequence of the rebellion. But isn't it an interesting thing how the plague was stopped? Aaron took some incense and he put it on the altar. And then he took some fire from the altar And he ran into the middle of the people. He wasn't afraid of it. Moses wrote that by offering incense, Aaron made atonement. He provided a covering and a payment for the people. But he had to then take the offering and he had to run into the midst of the people. What are you saying, Pastor Sean? I believe this is what God spoke to me. I believe as there are well over a hundred devices watching right now live and many more that will watch later on. I believe that this is the opportunity that God is giving us, the church, right now. God is saying He's giving us an opportunity, not just our church, but the church. Churches all around the world are live streaming this morning. Churches that have never live streamed before. He is giving us an opportunity to burn the incense of worship and to carry it via the internet right into the middle of the people. Not be afraid to do it. Not be afraid because we're in a building without hundreds of people like we're used to. But in bravery and in confidence in God, we gather together. We burn the incense of worship and it goes out right into the middle of the people who need to hear 
from God. I believe that's the opportunity that He has given us this morning. Wherever they are, may this live stream and other live streams come into contact with them. I want you to imagine this scene. Those of you that are home that are getting tickled at me, I just discovered I don't need you, amen, to get tore up and get excited. I want you to imagine this scene. Aaron would have seen the people dropping like flies, literally, from this plague. One right after another, dropping like flies. So he ran ahead into the middle of the crowd. All those to his left were dead, but all those to his right were alive. With a clear and decisive action, relying on the grace and the mercy of God, he stood between death and life. He stood between those two. And listen, a little bit of incense and a little bit of fire stopped it all. It was clear that God started the plague, but also that He ended it. The fire and the incense shows what Jesus would do for us. When you see something that is repulsive to you, you usually stay away, right? I have somewhat of a weak stomach. When I see somebody getting sick in public, I stay away. I turn away. But Jesus did the opposite. He walked right into the middle of our plague-ridden world. I'm afraid that the church has been guilty of seeing the sin in the middle of the world and we have turned away. But God is now providing an opportunity and He's saying if you're going to be faithful... I'm sending you right in the middle of where the need is. See, he walked right into the middle of our plague-ridden world. When everyone else was afraid of those who had leprosy, Jesus went up to a man and he touched him in order to heal him of his disease. When the men came to arrest Jesus and put him to death, Jesus didn't run from it. He faced it courageously and boldly in order to make the payment for our sins and to make us one with God once again. He didn't just run into the crowd of dying sinners with incense in his hand. He ran into the crowd knowing that some of the crowd would kill him with their hands, but the only way he could save the crowd would be if he himself died for the crowd on the cross, and if he died for the crowd and in the middle of the crowd. Did you hear me? But it didn't stay. He didn't stay there. I'm thankful three days later, he came out of that tomb victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And so he, Jesus, continues to come into our sinful and dying world and touch us yet today. So I want to encourage the church, don't be fearful. Don't be afraid of the opportunity that God is giving us right now. Don't be afraid of the uncertainty and not knowing what it's going to be like to worship from our homes for the next few weeks or whatever that may be. But with confidence in God, let's do what God would have us to do. He continues to come into our sinful and dying world and touch us today. He continues to touch us with His grace and mercy, saying to us that our sins are still forgiven. We're still loved. When we have our gracious God touching us, we don't need to be afraid of this or any other plague that we may have 
have to face. If our sins are forgiven, heaven is ours. What is the worst thing that could happen to a child of God? We'll die and go on to heaven. But I want to tell you something this morning. A virus cannot take our soul. Hello. A virus cannot take our soul. Shouldn't we be confident that in the midst of death that God is still with us? He is still merciful and forgiving in the midst of suffering. He still offers us free salvation. Free salvation in Jesus. Whether we die at 20 or 100, it doesn't matter. I was reminded this week, and I'm almost finished, of Exodus chapter 12. Verses 22 and 23. I want you to read with me what it says. He says, take a cluster of hyssop. Dip it in the blood that is in the basin and brush the lintel and the two doorposts with some of the blood in the basin. None of you may go out the door of his house until morning. When the Lord passes through to strike Egypt and he sees the blood on the lintel and the two doorposts, he will pass over the door and not let the destroyer enter your houses to strike you. When I was reading that, I noticed something. God told his people to go into the house and not come out of the door until morning when the plague had passed. Interesting side note to those of you watching right now. It was in the same season of the year that we are in right now. It was in Passover. Today, we are 17 days away from Passover. It had never occurred to me before that God had placed His people on lockdown. Yes, God actually called a quarantine, a shelter in place, if you will, for His people. It was short, but it was a quarantine and to avoid a plague nonetheless. Verse 13 of that same passage of Scripture tells us that it was a plague. This jumped off of the page to me. Clearly, this biblical example was not a reaction of fear as many are trying to say this is a similar reaction today. It was an act of obedience. It was an act of faith. And it was an act of wisdom. And I ask you, watching me right now, in like manner, I ask you to be sure that the blood of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, has been applied to the doorpost of your heart. And then I'm asking you once you've made sure. If you're not sure, I'm going to lead you in a prayer in just a few moments. But once you've made sure that the blood of the Lamb of God has been applied to the doorpost of your heart, then I'm going to ask you to use the wisdom that God has given us and stay out of the general public as much as is possible until this plague be passed. It isn't a lack of faith to use wisdom. Did you hear me? I said it is not a lack of faith to use wisdom. Don't fear at all. God is sovereign and God is in control. But also consider your family and consider your friends who depend upon you for guidance and safety and lead them wisely. Lead them wisely. 
God also calls upon us to be the Aaron to our world. To offer a remedy for death to a sick and dying world. We have a sacrifice to bring to the world. That's the sacrifice of Jesus. His death is the only remedy for any and every death. And sometimes this takes risk and sacrifice. Very quickly, take for instance Martin Luther. I saw someone else use a quote from him this morning. But when the bubonic plague hit Germany in 1527, many fled for their lives. It was known to cause large boils on the neck, on the legs, and in the armpits. And if the boils were to penetrate the lymph nodes, they would infect the bloodstream and cause death within a matter of three to four days. Eighteen people died from the disease in Wittenberg alone. Since Luther felt obligated to fulfill his call to the people of Wittenberg, he risked his life and he stayed behind in spite of the command of Elector John, believing that his duty to his neighbor was more important than his own life. And with a great trust in Psalm 91, he and Katie trusted that the Lord would take care of his body as he promised. His own little son Hans didn't eat for three days, and two sick women were living with them at the time within Luther's own house, yet all of his household survived the plague, and his wife safely delivered a baby daughter named Elizabeth. What are you talking about, Pastor? I'm saying if you have to be out, if you have no choice but to go to work, be sensitive to those that God has placed in your path. Do your due diligence and do everything that they're telling us to do, but then trust God like we've been preaching about around here for your protection. And then I want you to be very sensitive to those that God has placed in your path. Look for those divine appointments, those opportunities that He gives you to share the gospel with a lost and a dying world. Because if God is indeed the God of the plague and the God of the pestilence, which Habakkuk says He is, we can respond in two ways. We can either blame Him for bringing the plague and we can live in fear of our own existence or we can beg for His mercy and His strength in the midst of the plague. Psalms 46, it's already been quoted today in verse 1. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. We can try to hide in fear of it or we can seek Him all the more in the middle of it. He's the only one who can protect us. I said, He's the only one who can protect us. When God promises, I am with you, He doesn't only promise to be with you when you're in good health or when He's blessing you and your family. He promises to be with you always, even through the valley of the shadow of death to the very end of the age. God grant us the strength to believe this and to live this no matter what we face. If you're watching, I don't want you to go anywhere right now, but I want them to come to the music. And I'm going to close with this this morning. I want to close with a passage of Scripture that has literally rang in my ears for days. We often quote the last verse of the passage that I'm going to read, but rarely ever do we back up and read the preceding verses. 2 Chronicles 
chapter 7. I want us to start in verse 12. The Lord appeared to him. Who was him? Solomon. Because he had finished the temple. The Lord appeared to him, Solomon, at night and said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. When, not if, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people. He goes on in verse 14 to say, if my people, shoo, that's you and I, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. As I close this morning, I want to tell you the God that we serve is sovereign, church. The God that we serve is sovereign. Listen to me, those of you that are watching live. This plague that we're in the middle of right now, COVID-19, this has not taken him by surprise. He is God in times of health blessing and prosperity but he's also God in times of sickness fear, panic and famine he is the God of it all I believe his word this morning and I believe that he has allowed this for a wake up call to his people I believe that's what it's about the church of the living God who have been asleep let's just tell the truth about it, who have been asleep, who have grown complacent inside the four walls of our beautiful buildings, who took it for granted when we had the opportunity and were given the privilege to assemble together for worship. He's trying to get our attention because he wants us, it's about us, to humble ourselves and to pray and to seek his face. And watch this. He said, if my people, my people will turn from their wicked ways, it's our wicked ways. And when we do, when we do, then he will hear us from heaven. Hallelujah. Then he will hear us from heaven. He will forgive our sin. Our sin. I'm calling the church to repentance whether you are part of the Freedom Point faith family or regardless if you're not if you are part of the church of the living God if you consider yourself a Christian I'm calling you this afternoon to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand because when we do when the church gets it right then and only then he will heal our land so right now wherever you are I'm going to ask you if you're assembled together with your family just close your eyes and bow your heads right now if you're listening to my voice whether it's right now at 12.18pm on Sunday March the 22nd or if you hear this message later on 
at another time. But if you hear my voice right now and you have not made preparation, if you don't have the blood of Jesus Christ applied to the doorpost of your heart, I want to pray with you right now. I want you to just pray with me and repeat after me. Say, Dear Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner. God, I repent of my sin. I ask you to forgive me. God, I recognize I have a need for you in my life. So God, I ask you right now to let the blood of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, be applied to the doorpost of my heart. Forgive me for my, my sins and where I have failed you. Jesus, I invite you to come into my heart and to be the Lord of my life. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I invite you into my life to be my Savior and to be my Lord. From this day forward, I will serve you. Thank you, Jesus, for the sacrifice you made for my sins. And now I want to call the church as Nicholas and Abby sing a song. Right where you are, make a sanctuary out of your living room, out of your home office, out of your kitchen table. Make a sanctuary right where you are. And as they begin to sing, I want to invite you to find a place to pray. I'm going to pray right down here at this altar and ask God to come to us. But ask Him to use the church like never before to reach a lost and dying world as they sing.